Welcome back to Jokerman Podcast. I'm Ian. Today we got another in conversation episode for you. Joined by one of the hardest working men in rock, music, any fucking everything, anything. Just hardest working men in general, artist or not. Buck Meek, the guitarist of The Great Big Thief, and also guitarist of The Great Buck Meek band, solo artist in his own right, has a great new record, Haunted Mountain, out now. He's going to be headed out on tour before too long. Buck was kind enough to hop on the horn with me from his new home in Southern California to talk about working as a solo artist, working with Adrian in Big Thief, and the many culinary and cultural delights of the San Fernando Valley. Here's Buck. Before I lived here on this haunted mountain I was walking through the valley on my own Darkness all the way around me I looked to the sky and saw you Breathed all around in a golden cloud Mr. Buck Meek. Buck, thank you so much for hopping on. My pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. Um, we were just uh, talking a moment ago. You're, you said you're hanging in the yard with uh, your puppy, Ringo. Are you Are you on... I thought you were on tour right now. Are you back home at the moment? I just got back from a month-long tour in Europe. Just oh, a few just days got ago. back. Okay. How was it? Oh, it was lovely. It was my first time touring in Europe with my band. I played a couple of shows over there opening for Big Thief at the last minute whenever like our opener would cancel but this is my first time to do a full run with my band and it was so much fun um yeah it was incredible to play we played all over and including down in italy italy i really loved playing down there played in bologna and milan and turin which was really fun um it's you know we haven't gotten down there much so and we played all over the uk and um, wales green man festival in wales which i love and edinburgh scotland we played this old like horse dissection room strange venue in edinburgh horse dissection room yeah the stage is like down where they would dissect the horse and then the <laughs> part, the audience is partly like up on the balcony where the medical students would watch like Jesus. way back i guess in the 1800s uh it was a strange one and we played this festival out in the woods in wales called green man which is really sweet kind of non-commercial small festival out there and we played in oslo and copenhagen Played an island in the Netherlands where they don't have any cars called Luland, which is really sweet. Wow. Uh, into the Great Wide Open Festival. And Berlin at the Berghain Canteen, which is cool. It's like the, I'm sure you've heard of the Berghain Dance Club. I canteen sure have. Where, that, that's in an old factory. The canteen is a rock club they have in like the old, uh, like the canteen where the workers would eat and have lunch. Hell of a tour. Is it different? Is like touring in Europe, I mean, not living in Europe obviously is different than living in the US, but like specifically the experience of touring, like, is that is that a different kind of thing or does it just kind of feel like the same? You're just hitting town to town and there's people in front of you every night? The European venues, um, they treat you with pretty incredible hospitality. In most cases, they'll cook you a meal, like a homemade meal at the venue. They have kitchens often. Wow. They'll cook you a beautiful meal when you arrive and 
um, that's the big thing. Just having a home cooked meal, <laughs> you know, to, to come to come to is really a, a different feeling. You don't really find that much in the states. There's a few venues that do that, but that's a big one. But otherwise, it's it's similar. Just you know, playing for people, playing shows. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, obviously, we're uh, we're here on the occasion of uh, Haunted Mountain, which uh, came out a little while ago, actually, at this point, but uh, is still very much. Uh, you know, uh, uh, getting making its way out into the world, and you're gonna be hitting tours and stuff uh, in the states. I think in the coming couple months, um, you know, you are I think a unique uh, artist in that. Well, I mean, you're a unique artist, uh, but the uh, I mean the the kind of twin track that you have where there's like the Buck Meek world, and then there's obviously the Big Thief world. That's a that's a really uh, interesting, I think kind of way to be oh, working um how do you how do you how do you know when you have struck on something that is going to be a buck meek song versus something that could you know i know adrian is like the primary songwriter in big thief but i would imagine it's, it strikes me as a very collaborative kind of music making experience do you just are, you know are there ideas that when they come to you you think oh this is this is for me and my band and the solo thing or this makes more sense for big thief or is it just is it is it more of a you know kind of natural you know happen in the moment type of thing? Well, when when Adrian and I first started playing together, we were playing as a duo back in 2012 when we first met in New York City. We were we were writing a lot of songs together, and I would bring a song, and she would maybe contribute some lyrics. She would bring a song, and I'd help her edit it. Or sometimes we'd start from scratch, um, or sometimes we would just bring a complete song and back each other up on guitar. And we were traveling for a couple of years like that. Um, we put out a record called the A-Sides and B-Sides with that material. Um, but then we, at some point, maybe around 2014, we, we made an intention to separate our songwriting project. Um, essentially, where Big Thief would be primarily her songwriting, and I would be there to support as a guitar player. And if I were to co-write, it was more like helping her finish a song or mm. contributing my, you know, um, yeah, just get kind of give, she would bring the main idea and then I would help her finish it. If, and in many cases she would come to the table with a finished song and, and my project would be a place where I could just have complete autonomy as a songwriter. And in some cases, you know, I'll ask her for, for help with a song or, um, and in the case of this record, of course, I, I wrote five of the songs with my friend, Jolie Holland. And, um, but on the last record, two saviors, you know, like Adrian had actually, we co-wrote the song candle together for instance mm -hmm. and um you know it's but i think yeah there, there's always the exception to the rule like on the last big thief record the song certainty was one that we we wrote together she she came up with that first verse and melody and like but we really sat down and like wrote the song together for the most part um and so every once in a while it, it happens like that but i think the the primary focus is to just have our separate projects Sure. And then in Big Thief, I can just fully fully engage as a guitar player and as kind of a supportive songwriter. Hmm. And with her specifically, I often have kind of like an editing role. Like she'll usually come to the table with, she writes very stream of consciously, Adrienne, like, and I often write like a little more um, systematically and like I'm, I'm pushing myself to write more stream of consciously, but often she'll come to the table with something and, and ask me to help her kind of edit it and boil, boil it down into something more concise. Hmm. Um, yeah. Almost like an editor. Almost like an editor. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're almost like playing 
different roles depending on if you are, you know, doing the music making in Big Thief, it's more of a after it has been after the songs have been cracked, you know, there to kind of finish it as opposed to, you know, with your own stuff, you're actually, you know, sculpting it out of out of the raw clay yourself. Yeah, exactly. Even even within um, your own solo stuff, obviously, your band has been pretty has been pretty consistent. It's not just you and like a rotating cast of session players the way that, you know, when you just have an individual name as, as your, uh, your name that some folks will pursue it that way. How did, how did the, Buck, the Buck Meek band come together? Well, it's actually been quite a long process. At the beginning, I played, well, at first when we split our projects up from Big Thief, and my, I had Adrian playing lead guitar in my band, um, and I had a great drummer named Gabe Smith and Greg Albert playing bass. And then I worked with a drummer named Ty Morshi. And um, Max Lerartrick actually from Big Thief played bass for a minute in my mm. band. And all, all of those people you can hear on my first EP, or my second EP live from, no, which one was it? Uh, Art was beat, I think. Mm. There's like a whole hand, Adrian's playing lead guitar on almost the whole record, and there's some different rhythm sections. Um, but then I started playing with Adam Brisbane, who um, is has been the guitar player on the three full lengths and so he was kind of like i guess that was maybe 2014 and then we we built a band with austin vaughn and originally matt davidson was playing bass um he also has a band called twain but he was playing bass as a four-piece so the first two records were that band and then we brought in ken woodward to play bass so matt could move to pedal steel after recording two saviors and so it's been that same group for the last three records assembled piece by piece over the course of uh, a couple of years. It sounds like what, what is, 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 is there like a qualitative difference between working with them versus working with Adrian and everyone in big thief, or is it a similar kind of feel just once you're in the studio, you know, making songs? Uh, good question. Well, with big thief, it's like always been, I don't know what the, the political term before it's, it's like more than a democracy. It's like a unanimous democracy. Mm creatively for the most part like all four of us um are collaborating equally as far as like all the creative decisions and um of course sometimes it's like three people feel something really strongly and have to kind of convince the fourth um sometimes two people feel really strongly and convinced too but nonetheless like when we make decisions it's it's unanimous and uh i think that with my band like that spirit is there ideally but I think that it's a little more like my project as a leader. Um, and I really, I, I think part part of like choosing the players for me was just finding people that I really trusted and um, trusted that the music would kind of speak for itself. And then, mm. um, and so to, to a huge degree, I kind of just let them do their thing. Um, I bring in the songs and I feel like most of the work was done just choosing the people. Um, whereas with Big Thief, it's always, it seems, Seems to be like there's a lot of discussion. More of a uh, invested, uh, emotional kind of uh, not argumentative necessarily, but um, many, many, many cooks in the kitchen type of thing. Yeah, but yeah, it's. I mean, really, it's essentially a similar thing though. We just get together with a song, which is this kind of abstract thing, and we we just play it and we explore different ideas until something feels feels right and starts to catalyze, and it's kind of this unspoken agreement that happens whenever it starts to feel right and i think that yeah, that's the way it always feels to make music with the right people sure that on that note i you know like 
you, both as a solo artist and, you know, as a member of Big Thief, uh, you know, are, are some of the most, like, productive, you know? It's almost like a, a, like a put-down, uh, uh, in a sense, you know, as if it's just something that you sit down and just kind of crank out, which obviously that's not the case, but just, like, the... Uh, incredible pace that you guys have been able to sustain for you, you know, again, you guys in Big Thief, and then also you yourself as a solo artist, because um, you just had a previous record like two years ago. Like, it's it's kind of amazing um, uh, to me. Does that is that something that like that that constant ability to just keep going, keep making it making it happen, and and discovering new horizons and is that something you're conscious of or is that is that just like totally just a natural part of your process i mean if anything it's the opposite i feel like as soon as i the second i finish one thing um maybe there's like a moment where i feel fulfilled and um but then i wake up the next day feeling uh feeling empty and like excited <laughs> to, to make something new but start it all over again it's kind of feeling of yeah it's, you know there, there's a there's a sense of purpose, I guess I should say, in in the work. Um, it's it's a daily, it's a daily thing to to fill that that space with with purpose, um, to feel whole at the end of the day, um, and I guess the days add up, but yeah, it it never ends though. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's when like, when you put uh, UFOF out. And then just like a couple months later, literally within, you know, the same year, 2019, Two Hands came out. And then obviously uh, Dragon came out last year. And there, that's like, what is it, 25 songs, 30 songs? Something. It's just, it's, um, it's incredible. And, and yeah. the, the, not only the quality, I would say, because obviously it's extraordinary music and you don't need me to tell you that, but the, um, just the breadth of the sound that you guys are able to, explore and move in so many different directions at the same time and it's and it doesn't like it all feels really well thought out and fully realized i guess might be the best way to put it right it's not just like little experiments for experiment's sakes it's like everything whatever different direction you're going it 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 works just as well as any other direction thank you yeah i'm i mean i'm grateful to have been nurtured in my my youth um with you know finding these incredible teachers really coming into my life through happenstance um, and also just being nurtured by my parents to, to, to maintain like a creative practice from the very beginning and supported by my parents and also nurtured by the community that I've built, that I built in Brooklyn with Big Thief and all of these, um, this incredible community of bands and musicians, um, this constellation of bands that Big Thief is really just a small part of. Mm. And, and now like living in Los Angeles, this community here, I think, I've been blessed to be surrounded by a community that nurtures that the practice of uh, of waking up and trying to create something. Um, and again, like it to me, it feels like there's never enough time uh, to yeah to to fill the space. <laughs> well, you, you feel free. You know, you you, you can feel you can feel uh, uh, confident and comfortable if you need to just like hang out for a minute uh just uh, <laughs> it's in, actually i'm trying to learn how to relax a little bit to be honest. <laughs> i think it's good to slow down a little bit too uh i know i know the feeling my you know i like i, I just moved into a new home recently and it's you know it's a beautiful home but it, it it takes a lot of work it's old and you know there's a lot of stuff to tidy up and stuff and my wife is always telling me like just yeah. take it easy for a moment 
And I, I actually did that this last yeah. weekend on Sunday. And then on Monday, I got up and I was like, I can actually, I, I feel fine getting up and having a cup of coffee. And it's like not a challenge. I, that might have something to do with the fact that I just like hung out on the couch for a couple hours the day before. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's really important to take a breath. Got to gotta give yourself space. For me, I think, yeah, and for, for me and I think for Big Thief too, it's like we, we try to just trust the process of iteration, just waking up and doing something or like meeting together and doing something. And I think with time, we're learning to, to not put so much pressure on ourselves to create something great or like create our best work or the only, like the only, I guess our, our, our core intention has more become to just be ourselves and like try to be present and have fun and just, just finish something for the sake of just like moving through a, a day, like completing something. And even if it's silly or like rough or whatever, and then doing it again the next day, that's like the really important element. I think for, for me, it's just iterating. Keeping, keeping at it, putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. I knew the moment that I saw you That my life would never be the same So it's, can I ask, so I, I live in the Bay Area now, but I, w- I was born and raised in uh, in old Southern California. I say Los Angeles usually, but I was, you know, right. I was born in Orange County, uh, but lived up in uh, Los Angeles for basically my entire adult life until I moved to New York for a couple of years. What, uh, can I ask, what, what uh, is just, is the whole band in uh, in Los Angeles? Is there a reason that you, you moved there? The whole band is not here in Los Angeles. Um, James Kirchini is living up here now, but... I moved here mostly to just be closer to nature. I was living in New York for seven years and mm. I love New York so much. I miss it every day, but I grew up in a small town in the country in Texas and um, spent a lot of time in the in the river growing up and running around the hills. And so I wanted to be closer to, to the woods. And there's so much beautiful nature in and around Los Angeles. Yeah. And also a lot of the music community around the country was, was migrating out here uh, over the last years a lot of folks from new york moved out to los angeles and a lot of folks came down from seattle and san francisco the bay area and austin texas even folks are moving out here and so it feels like there's something happening right now here which yeah wanted to be in in touch with wanted to be part of yeah i i uh, i get i get a little uh uh you know uh, wistful every now and then because it really does feel like the entire just like music world lives or is moving to los angeles right now <laughs> you're completely uh correct about yeah. that huh? uh yeah it's uh what do, you, what do you think about it just as a play besides like you know the actual like artistic community and and the natural beauty which you know those are two extraordinary elements of living in Southern California. What, what else is it like, you know, being there from, uh, you know, New York expat slash, uh, small town, Texas, uh, uh, childhood, right? Yeah. My friend Greg Gerson refers to LA as the afterlife as like New York's <laughs> afterlife. Um, I love so much about this city. I love how cryptic it is. It's such a impossible place to understand. It's so vast and there's, there's just so many, mysteries here and 
so many neighborhoods that just go on forever and there's so much hidden i don't know hidden beauty there's so many so much incredible food like just hidden in strip malls yep and really regional like regional international communities um who are who are maintaining their you know their food and their their scene and um there's just like a real sense of uh kindness here too people are really sweet and relaxed um and yeah there's a lot of that i love it's like it's like a giant garden crazy gardens yeah a lot of entropy but also like a a lot of growth and um yeah it's a wild place to be oh yeah that's i'm I'm very glad to hear you say that because it's you know it is near and dear to my heart i'm uh, a major los angeles booster and i feel like a lot of uh you know, a lot of folks have a, you know, negative kind of down, down opinion on it, uh, especially like if you come from totally. expecting, you know, uh, you know, New York kind of lifestyle, yeah. but uh, it seems like you're, you're doing it right there. Yeah. To me, it's just, it feels like thousands of, of cities in one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you just, you got to put the work in, you know, in Los Angeles, I think in a way that you don't, that you don't have to uh, in a place like New York, where it's just like you're on the train, you're constantly moving around, and you're just naturally swept from place to place. In Los Angeles, it's easy to be kind of stuck in your little nook, you know, your little orb, your little village, and then not yeah. not kind of get out beyond those boundaries. And if and if that's the way that you live your life, like you might have a a negative kind of experience. It might be a really dissatisfying, alienating kind of place sure. to be. But if you're able to really just, you know put put the work in and, and stretch your legs a little bit it's you know the, the entire world is basically there in 100 square miles yeah and it feels like like yeah exactly new york is so amazing but new york makes its identity like very clear to me no matter where i go in the city like you could take a train randomly and get off at any stop and it feels like new york mm. um but la is so much more elusive and like there's so many like you said like little pockets um but i like that that element of searching and mystery like yeah i like i like the effort that's required to understand the place and i love the valley so much the san fernando valley hell yeah one of my favorite places i'm a valley boy i was just out there yesterday that. oh i love that i haven't spent enough time down in like the south valleys like the orange county valleys but i'm sure they're equally cool but yeah my friend was in town yesterday and i took him out there's this like the whole there's, you know, there's Studio City where all the studios are, mm-hmm. but then there's like, if you go deeper into the valley, like towards the mountains, I guess east, there's all these crazy like prop houses, and there's this place Apex Electronics that has the most insane collection of electronic parts from like every era. It's like this massive warehouse, and they have a huge yard with like giant amounts of airplane parts and like old hi-fi equipment and crazy like power plant parts and every single knob you could ever want and like um i guess it's like partly for movies for people building like sci-fi sets but also for like electronic you know whiz whiz whizzes and um and then we went to this right next near that is this theodore Payne nursery which is like a wild um a, a native plant nursery out here that mm. is a non-profit that kind of like butts up into the the mount i guess it's the verdugo mountains there mm-hmm. and but yeah, it's like you're you're at this crazy electronic prop shop, and then you go down this row of like fifty junkyards, and then all of a sudden you're in this wild plant nursery, like on the side of a mountain. <laughs> Out of you know, and like that would definitely only happen here. As Where else I've are you gonna get that? Way. Exactly. Yeah. 
Hell yeah. Well, that, uh, 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 you're, you're man after my own heart, uh, you know, boosting the, the San Fernando Valley. Cause even, even when you move to Los Angeles, you know, it, it's, it's easy to, to love the city when you're on, you know, the South side of the, uh, Santa Monica mountains. Totally. But once, once you go North, that's like, uh, I don't go, no one hangs out over there. So you're, you're really, you're, you're, you're yeah. local already. I can tell. But that's what insulates it too. I mean, we shouldn't be letting the cat out of the bag, but nonetheless, like, <laughs> It's so not, it's not cool at all. And that's no, cool exactly. It. So like not, there's, there's so non-pretentious up there. and It's so relaxed. Everyone's just hanging the out. Food just, is on another level. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. The Valley mall scene, the Valley mall scene is the best. <laughs> there's this new Topanga, the Topanga mall, like the, on Topanga Canyon Boulevard. Oh, I've been to the Topanga Canyon mall the, many times. Oh yeah. <laughs> they just built this place called the Topanga social, which is like all these food, food booths like international food in this big like food court in the mall and it's it's amazing wow like, such good food and the, the hang there is so super diverse and like it's awesome that's wild i you know i i, I haven't lived there since like 2017 18 actually one of the last meals that i had was at the cheesecake factory at the topanga mall i met my old, oh like, yeah high school video teacher and it was you know <laughs> it, was, it was a good time um that sounds crazy to me I, yeah Check out Topanga Social. Topanga Social. I'm going to put that on the list next time I'm down in town. Yeah, like the mashups you find in the San Fernando Valley are, are unparalleled. And also <laughs> like the bars there are so cool. There's this place, Casey's Tavern. That's really great. It's like this old school jazz club on Sherman Way, I think, mm. where they play like it's jazz, I think, every night. It's all these old timers and everybody locks arm at the end of the night and like want, like weaves around the room arm in arm singing uh when the saints come marching in wow. then there's a cowboy <laughs> palace up the road where they have live country music and two-stepping every night with like this hilarious mix of like real desert cowboys who come down cowboys and cowgirls in their like workwear, and then all these like hilarious calabasas people and they're like fancy pearl snaps and they all two-step together it's so funny that's a be- it's that's the tapestry of humanity right and that's the you got the jazz place right down like literally just a few doors down i would guess on Sherman way from the the country oh, yeah. the cowboy place like that's yeah that's that's what it's all about it's awesome um well on the note of uh uh country cowboy kind of stuff so like like uh we were uh, talking about a moment ago you know you come you come from Texas, obviously. How did you? Were you born, raised there until you went to? Because you went to Berkeley, right, for college. Where, did you spend your entire kind of youth That's and true. adolescence down there in Texas? I did. Yes. Also, my, I think I'm like seventh generation Texan. On seventh generation on the other family's been there for a long time. Yeah. Wow. Are they still? Are they still down there? Still down there. I was born in Houston, and then I moved to a small town called Wimberley when I was 11 years old, and, and spent my teenage years in Wimberley, Texas. Wimberley, te- where? Where is Wimberley? It's a cool, it's a great town, about forty five minutes southwest of Austin. Okay, and it's a, uh, you know, it's it's kind of this little liberal stronghold in the Texas Hill Country, which is a really beautiful region of Texas. It's rolling green hills with a lot of big live oak trees, and there's these spring fed rivers, crystal clear spring fed rivers with big bald cypress trees on the banks and white limestone basins. So it's like crystal water, big shade trees, and kind of these oasis is in you know a pretty arid climate but um and and then Wimberley is kind of this artist community where a lot of the older Austin artists and musicians have moved out to and mm. um so I grew up there which I think was a big part of what like inspired me to start writing songs because I was surrounded by a lot of these great songwriters like 
Butch Hancock from the Flatlanders who lives out there now and um and Ray Wiley Hubbard and and also great musicians like Slim Ritchie was this great old jazz guitar player who lived out there and there was this bluegrass jam at the Catfish restaurant with Mike Fowler and Donna Bailey and some of the old like Bob Wills players um and so yeah it's a really cool community out there it sounds like yeah I mean it uh, Texas I think is is uh, you know in the art world you know music world whatever kind of uh, a culture industry you know quote unquote to use a annoying kind of term for it you know texas can be sort of forgotten or or passed over i think in in many ways but obviously like as you're you yourself are a testament and the names you're just reeling off like that it's like such a enormous vibrant you know diverse interesting multicultural place for sure i just watched slacker last night actually if you haven't seen that link later film slacker that's a good window into 1990s austin texas I don't think I counterculture i gotta put that uh put that on the list do you i guess like how how much how much of texas of of that you know do you feel like is still with you in like on a record like on a mountain or just at you know uh in your in your creative process yeah it's hard to shake i mean it's (laughs) definitely the music that feels like that feels like home i think i rejected it for a while when i was a kid you know living there i i grew up playing punk rock and um I, I did fall into playing the blues a lot when I first started playing guitar. I had this great mentor named Brandon Gist, um from Memphis, actually. But he he taught me to play the blues and gave me my first gigs down there. And then, but then I fell into Manoush jazz and um, playing a lot of punk rock and stuff, kind of as an escape from Texas, I think. And, sure. And I I went to Berkeley, and I think went to study jazz originally, but then started writing songs and writing rock and roll and. Um, I think I started relating more to country music and, and that stuff like after I'd left almost, I think as a, just from a longing of missing home. And I'd also been going out, there's this festival out there called the Kerbal Folk Festival in the Hill Country um, that I've been going to since I was 15. Um, it's a, really a songwriting festival out there on a ranch and uh, songwriters from all over the country come and share their, their songs around. Fires for like 18 days every summer. Wow. And it's like a little town of songwriters out there in the woods. And uh, back then there was no cell phone service. You're just out there singing your songs and like um, swimming at the river every day for three weeks. And that was a really big inspiration for me, I think. But um, yeah, it's hard to shake. I, I guess I try to embrace it on this record. Um, but also, you know, trying to embrace all the other influences in my life too. Sure. Yeah, it. Uh, I mean, there are definitely. I, I wouldn't call Haunted Ma- uh, Mountain like a country record, but there definitely are country songs. I mean, the the title track, obviously, really, you know, that that could be a you know country classic. You got the sound down, Pat. Um, but it goes so many other places at once at the same time. Like I was talking about, you know, with your work with uh, with Big Thief, it just it's kind of uh, amazing the the size of the canvas that you're able to to work with. Um, thank you. A lot. No. <laughs> thank you. you. The thing, I mean, you're welcome. Some of the things that I, I guess, I try to, I want to embrace the things that I love about country music while also being genuine to myself and mm-hmm. experimenting. And I mean, some of the things I love about country music are, it just feels good to me. It feels like, it feels like sunlight and cold water. You know, it just, it feels good and relaxed. A good country, music, a good country song. It makes you 
makes you want to move and smile and be sweet and it feels real and yeah salt of the earth and i like that about it and also i feel like a lot of the country music i love kind of exhibits like complex emotions in the songwriting and often mm-hmm. there's a lot of like uh, and there's also a lot of examples of men for instance singing about their vulnerability which i, I appreciate in country music and i guess i want to like evolve that device in my own songwriting mm. um, and so yeah those are some of the things i love about it yeah it's uh, i mean there's also is... lots of things i, I don't there's th- certain things i don't like about it historically <laughs> but you know trying to take what i love and st- stick stick with the positivity yeah. <laughs> yeah uh yeah you know typically typically the further um the further back you go with country music in my experience at least and i say this is someone who is you know, a relative novice you know country uh listener certainly compared to someone like you t- the, the further back you go at least the the better and and more uh uh real you're gonna get you know what what is billed as like modern country music that you play on like a you know country radio station or something that feels like uh yeah feels like something it's something else into, like like calling that country is almost like a it, you're you're that's not the right way to, to describe it right it's like a bastardization of that term yeah it's not the country i love i, I love everything from you know the 30s to the 70s for the most part there's yeah. in some of the 80s stuff but yeah yeah, I mean, you get to a guy like uh, Towns Van Zandt or something in the '70s, and that is like that's as yeah, that's as real fucking tangible as you're gonna get. There is some '90s country I love. Though. I I grew up with '90s. Uh, I mean, I love some Garth Brooks and some John Michael or some uh, <laughs> really, yeah, George Strait and all that stuff too. But more, yeah, m- m- probably because it's just really sentimental to me because like growing up with it, going to the Houston rodeo and stuff. Sure, but it's more of a novelty, I think, and kind of nostalgic. I, I can't say that I would detect a ton of Garth Brooks influence in in Buckmink music today. But now now that you mention it, I'm going to I'm gonna keep that in mind next time I spin the record and see if I can suss anything out there. Yeah, man. His song Rodeo, that I, yeah, it's probably in there somewhere. <laughs> well it ain't no woman flesh and blood, it's that damn no rodeo. But it's the roar of a Sunday crowd It's the white and his knuckles The gold and the buckle He'll win the next go-round It's boots and shafts It's cowboy hats It's spurs and let it go It's the ropes and the reins And the joy and the pain And they call the thing a rodeo The, the record is uh, it's very warm sounding um, It's very, you know I feel like a bright, you know, like bright-eyed, positive, you know, kind of uh, energy emanating from it in in general. Um, it feels like it was really written from a place of of love and and light. Uh, I don't know if that 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 may be true. That may not be true. Uh, but it, did did all of these songs kind of come out of you like at the same time? Like was this all like just uh, pouring out of you in the span of a couple days, couple weeks, or something? Or or was it more of a process of assembling? the tracks over time and then kind of shaping them into something consistent and coherent after you had assembled, you know, X number of songs. I think they came to be over the course of about a year. Mm. I wrote a lot more songs and kind of found the, took a step back and then found the record within the the collection. Some of the songs were written really quickly in an hour or two and some of them took a year. Wow. With, with, you know, with revision and taking a break, coming back to them. 
did you cut the, I mean, you said you wrote a bunch of other songs. Did you cut a bunch of other songs in the sessions for the record too? Or are those just kind of, you know, are you letting those sit for the time being? We only cut a couple more. We, I had a, we, yeah, there was a handful that we did not cut. Sure. Um, just mostly because we had limited time and we wanted to, yeah, we don't want to dwell too much on it. I think we, we kind of went in knowing what the record was and, mm. and uh, wanted to just focus on getting good takes and having a good time. Sure. The, um, the other stuff that you like wrote over the course of this year that didn't make it onto this record, is that, and you know, obviously I'm sure this has happened to you in the past with other records and stuff too, but it, like, is that stuff that you, when you write it and you decide it doesn't belong on this record, is it just, is it gone? It's locked up in, in the diary and then it's just, that's where it lives forever. Or is it, is it, do you ever kind of like come back to that material in the future and revisit it and revise it and see if it like strikes you in a new way? Most of it in its in in that form uh, is kind of just kept in the diary. Although I will return to it sometimes, almost yeah, to to recycle some of the ideas, or sometimes I'll go back and try to reinvent it. But af- after a song has been written for that long, and um, I don't know, it it always feels like a bit yeah um, redundant to go that far back. Sure. Sometimes I'll try to make something new with it, but otherwise I think I'll just move forward. Sure. Yeah, I know, um, uh, you know, we talk about Bob Dylan on this uh, program a lot, which I'm not going to bother asking you about because <laughs> I, uh, I I already know the answers that I'm going to get from you. Um, but, you know, his songwriting uh, process, it's it, and especially like seeing some of the bootleg series collections that have come out where you get like these, uh, you know, um, germinal versions of songs from years before you actually end up hearing them. He, you know, he, he like pulls whole verses out of previous songs that he had written and then just like plugs them into a totally different melody, different feeling, different everything, you know, years down the line. It's, that's, that's always been such a strange kind of way of, uh, making music. Uh, but then again, you know, <laughs> Bob Dylan's <laughs> sort of a strange kind of guy. Yeah. I think that's a really useful way to, to recycle materials because for me like often the hardest part about writing a song is just starting a song and have, having an initial catalyst um or or just ha- yeah having some definition to, even if you're halfway through a song and you get stuck having some kind of uh catalyst to throw you in a new direction or mm. to to bounce back against and push back against it so yeah having having pre-existing material that came from a really genuine place at one point even if it feels stale is maybe a good way to shake it up there's nothing more uh, imposing than a blank page uh, or blank, you know, uh, the, the uh, blank page of music making. <laughs> um, what, uh, yeah. what kind of records were you listening to while you were making Haunted Mountain? Hmm. I was listening to a lot of Dio Masani, the, ma- the uh, king of history, great African guitar player. Hmm. I was listening to a lot of ambient music that year, actually. Um, a lot of Grouper and William Bazinski. Wow. And Juliana Barwick and Kamaru, Careless Coverdale. Um, a lot of that. Interesting. Often, yeah. sometimes, even when I would write. And I, I really love listening to ambient music because I can, I'm really sensitive to, to, to lyrics. And um, it's hard for me to not focus on, on a song if, if there's words. Um, whereas with ambient or instrumental music, it's, I, I can even write or read or, you know, uh, so sometimes I'll even write with ambient music. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting that, uh, I can, the groupers is, uh, 
again, not, not something that I would have pulled out of there initially, but I can, I, 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 I feel, I see there's some sort of psychic, you know, kind of wavelength connection there. That, that's, that's really cool. Alex Summers too. My, my friend Alex Summers put out a record. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but um, his record siblings, I listened to a lot too. Alex Summers siblings. All right. I gotta put that on the list next to slackers. Um, kind of going back to the tour stuff. I mean, you, you are, uh, on a pretty heavy schedule, both as a, you know, individual and as uh, a member of big thief. What I, what I think is so cool about both is, um, that, well, uh, I guess to preface that, right. Like a lot of, a lot of bands, I think on tour as someone who has seen, you know, his fair share of bands, uh, are very interested in, you know, kind of playing it safe and making their lives easy you know like it's just these are the songs these are the order that they're played in the audience is going to know most of them you know we're going to drop a couple in from the new record but in general you know we're going to try to give these people a good time type of approach and that doesn't not that you not that you guys aren't trying to entertain your audience and give them a good show but it you know it's a much more adventurous and um uh, distinct and differentiated kind of experience uh you know big thief and, and buck meek uh, uh, performances, both in terms of like, you know, the way that the songs are played, you know, uh, or, you know, obviously set list order, what songs are included. Is that, is that something that like is a conscious part of the way that you are a live performer? Um, you know, the, the desire to constantly, you know, kind of keep people on their toes and, and keep yourself interested and invested. Definitely. It's super important to us. I think, um, just tricking ourselves into listening to each other is, is really valuable, really important mm-hmm. to us because I feel like when, when it starts becoming automatic, uh, when it becomes muscle memory to a degree where you stop listening to each other, it can be pretty detrimental, I think, to um, the spirit of, of music. Because to, to me, at least, listening to each other is kind of the essential, like the essential ingredient of mu- making music with another person, at least. Um, and if even if you're making music with yourself, like listening to yourself and where you're at, and um, if you're singing a song, like really be- singing the song and believing the story that you're telling, and not thinking about something else or singing it automatically, um, I feel like that's an essential element of communication. Um, in the same way that you'd want to listen to someone in conversation and respond wholeheartedly. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, again, if, if you develop too much of an automatic machine um, on the road especially doing it night after night um your body kicks in and your muscle memory kicks in you take the the path of least resistance and something's lost i think um there's yeah there's a danger of vitality loss i think that there's a middle ground um it, it, it i think it's also for me at least it's also important to like um acknowledge the audience and and uh at least try to like meet their expectations to some degree for sure and, and make them feel included um but it, it, there's a dance there for sure but but also i think at the end of the day like on stage we need to feel alive absolutely yeah i mean yeah i, I feel like you can you can go to a show you know of whatever band and and you can just kind of get a sense you know if you're if you're paying attention like you know, is, is there something really happening here? Like, is, are they alive up there, you know, on the stage or are they just kind of going through the motions and, you know, (laughs) going through the motions is the last, last phrase I would use to describe any sort of musical project Mm. that uh, you're a part of. Thanks a lot. 
with Big Thief too, it's just like the sheer amount of material. Yeah, there's so many songs now. Adrian is so prolific, and and she's always writing new songs on the road. And so we we just don't have we don't have time to rehearse really because we're touring so much, and we all have other projects. And so we we often if if you know we often just use the stage as an opportunity to to learn and play new songs and write arrangements. And then that ends up being, you know, feeding into the recording sessions, which, you know, a lot of the arrangements that, that you've heard on the albums, like not, for instance, that's um, a song that people have come to know, like that arrangement. I remember the day that arrangement came together on stage, totally improvised. Wow. And so sometimes it goes well and it feels really good. And sometimes it's, it's complete disaster. It's crash and burn, you know, <laughs> but like, almost every arrangement that feels good came together like in front of an audience in this kind of dangerous moment where we weren't sure if it was going to work or not. And we we're kind of riding that edge and the pressure of the audience too is, is like, there's a vitality to that, that you can, it's energizing. I think. Hell yeah. That's, I mean, that's what it's all about. It uh, takes, takes some chutzpah to be able to do, to, to do that kind of thing and pull it <laughs> off. You know, as, as... you definitely have to like, yeah. You definitely have to accept being completely embarrassed, like <laughs> more than half of the time. <laughs> you, have to, you have to get pretty used to it, but you know. Well, I think uh, I think the embarrassment factor is is got to be pretty low these days, considering how uh, <laughs> how 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 like I said, uh, much and how successful uh, you you guys have been. Um, Thank you. I, you are you are welcome. Uh, thank you for for always thanking me with my uh, my my <laughs> statements and questions. I, I, most of the people that uh, we talked to on the show are just you know they just <laughs> they're not as thankful as you are. Oh, cheers. Uh, um, well, I think uh, I think that will do it. I do gotta. I just like the you know the the show here. You know, we had our genesis as just talking about every fucking record that Bob Dylan ever put out, and we're beyond that at this point. But that is you know kind of uh, oh, wow. in, in our DNA. Uh, so we've gone from from A to Z there. Uh, and like I said, I'm not I'm not even going to ask about anything in uh, Shadow Kingdom because I know that there is no information that can be given. I read your uh, interview with our friend Stephen. Uh, I know that there's a, a cowboy that has his eye on you. Uh, but just as a as a listener, can I ask you? Uh, you know, do you do you have any Bob like songs records that are our favorites that strike you? I love the new record or the. Um... The, the one that he did with Blake Mills. Yeah, Rough and Rowdy uh, Ways. That record is incredible. Man, that, yeah, the Rough and Rowdy Ways. That song Key West has been one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs lately. Um, yeah. But I also love Nashville Skyline. I think that hell yeah, that record meant a lot to me as a kid growing up. I don't I, I don't know why. I just I listened to that record a lot in high school. Um, That's one of the like greats. My first love, and yeah, just but the way his. So many, the way his voice sounds on that record, you know, it's like when I when I first yeah. heard that like "Girl from the North Country," him and Johnny, and I realized like oh. Oh, that's that's Bob Dylan singing there, and he sounds he sounds like the most beautiful singer, you know, classically trained, honey voice man. I it yeah. blew my mind, still blows my mind every time I put that record on. Yeah, me too, me too. That song, that's one of my favorite recordings of all time, "The Girl from the North Country." Oh, it's. To hear them like weaving in and out of each other, it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's it's does not does not get better than that. No. Uh, well, thanks again, uh, Buck folks out there. Listen to Haunted Mountain Catch. 
the man on tour uh, solo. Uh, I think uh, you're going out on uh, tour in, like uh, after the new year, right? That's true. Yeah, January and February around the States, West Coast. And then we're going to, I don't know if it's announced yet, but we're going to do an East Coast tour later on, not too long after that. Hell yeah. Well, I uh, hope to see all you listeners out there uh and uh, i'm sure it's not gonna be too, not gonna be too long until big thief is back with uh three more albums and uh you know 19 more tour dates or something for sure it's coming uh thanks again buck thank you so much cheers have a sweet day if you're traveling to the north country fair where the winds hit heavy on the borderline Remember me To one who lives there For she once was A true love of mine See for me Namaste once again To Buck Meek of Big Thief and of Buck Meek Haunted Mountain, available now, wherever music is sold, streamed, distributed, whatever. Go check it out, and make sure to cop a ticket when he hits the road after the new year. I've had some pretty uh, fantastic conversations recently. Jarvis, Sav, Buck now. I can't wait to see who we can convince to uh, get on Zoom uh, and prattle on about bullshit with us. Don't know how long our luck is going to keep up, but Lord knows we're going to keep trying here on Jokerman. I want to know where you're coming from. I want to know where you're coming from. I want to know where you're coming from.